0: All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can
1: experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so
0: beautiful. Hi, friends. Whether you are just getting started or you're a seasoned professional looking to up your game, I have an exciting opportunity for you Did you know that I am actually the creator of 10 different courses online that range from ballet, jazz, tap? They also include a mindset detox course and two stretch and tone courses. So, if you're looking to start a new hobby or get a little bit fitter, or you're looking to do a deep dive into your mindset and really perform a true detox, I have the course for you, and I would love to help you out with that. So if you go to elevateart.thinkific.com, you will see all of the different courses I've created. You don't have to step in a classroom to take your first dance class. I teach a signature 20 moves in 20 days course that allows you to learn 20 steps in just 20 days. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time together. And I think you're going to absolutely love the different courses and Artfully Told listeners get a little something from me. So if you go, you'll sign up and use the promo code Artfully Told, all one word. And when you do so, you'll get 15% off the purchase of any and all your favorite courses. All right, listeners, enjoy that. Again, it's elevateart.thinkific.com. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm your host Lindsay, and I am absolutely delighted to have as my guest today Patricia Karen Geigich. She is an international contemporary artist, an author and the chief visionary officer of a nonprofit charity. And she brings such an amazing background and wealth of experience in the art. So I'm just so thrilled to be able to talk art with her today. Thank you so much for being here, Patricia.
1: Oh, hi, Lindsay. Oh, my goodness. I'm thrilled to be here with you as well. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. of
0: course (laughs) and I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit about yourself maybe how you got started and and take us from there.
1: Sure so I've been a always curious person and when I was very young I thought oh I want to be a fashion designer and I think I was probably about three years old when I started actually drawing Elizabethan ball gowns I had never seen one. I have no idea. My family could never figure out how I was drawing these. But there was something inside of me, just this intuitiveness that I just love drawing. And then that catapulted into, you know, me always pen in hand, wanting to do something different. But as I went through school, I realized I needed to have a, a career. And my family really wanted me to do something, you know, more astounding with my life, even though I thought, you know, having being an artist would be amazing. But you remember the old saying, artists are poor, so it's not really going to be the way you're going to manage your life. So I, I did actually become involved in finance, and I joined a bank. And by the ripe old age of 25, I was probably one of the first female bank managers here in Canada. And I ruled with, you know, 92 employees and I I sort of was climbing the ivory tower. But at the same time, I was still doing these more surrealistic ink drawings, sort of the Salvador Dali style. And, And then my world just, you know, kept going and going until I finally said, you know, I want to be a painter. And that's the moment that I really fell in love with art, with actually with painting. So that that's yeah. sort of the beginning of the journey.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And so then you so say you had your career in finance, but you obviously still had this passion and wanted to continue doing art. So what led you to your next step in the journey?
1: Well, I, I thought, you know, <laughs> not having any lessons in art, you know, in painting that I should probably, um, get myself involved in, you know, an art school. So there we do have something here. I was McMaster University, and I enrolled myself in a program. And then the there was the Burlington Cultural Centre, and I had an opportunity to be actually taught a master program with an artist who is quite revered in Canada. His name is Tony Urquhart, and he was also teaching at the University of Guelph. So he had invited me one summer to um, come out and, as they were doing different tutorials and whatnot, I was really feeling, you know, this this place that I felt very comfortable in. And then it was not until 1999 when my husband decided that <clears throat> we should take a trip to France, and that was really the beginning of my my most synchronous part of my life. In order, there was a little apartment called the Sunflower Apartment, and they always had an ad in the newspaper. And my husband called the ad and he said, you know, we'd like to go and stay. The gentleman who owned the home said, sure, have your wife come and see me. Pick up the keys. I'll share everything about it. So we did. And I, I went to his home and, oh, my goodness, it was an art gallery, basically. He had three floors of amazing paintings and said, would you like a tour? I said, yes. I see this painting up on the wall and it's this very abstract white horse which would never really have, you know, attracted me because my brain was more in the Jackson Pollock style. And but I looked at the name on the painting and it said DRAGIC. And that's and I said, "Oh, Dragic because it's a Serbian name." And this gentleman looked at me and he said, "No, no, 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 no. This is Dragić and he's in the top 10 percentile and a wonderful artist." And in that moment I don't know why, but he said, you know, and it's about three or four hours away from where you will be staying. And I went, okay, I want to meet this guy. Why I even thought that, I have no idea. But it was just that auspicious moment. So we managed to get ourselves to France and made the phone call to Monsieur Dragic. And he said, no. He said, no, I'm not uh, seeing anybody. I'm not interested. And I was devastated and I went oh my goodness I've come all the way here now I'm on a mission <laughs> I definitely want to meet this this man this artist and then finally we called back and he agreed and uh, we went to the little fifth century village in Provence and when we met him I sat in complete absolute disbelief because when we got up into his atelier he was showing me pictures of himself with you know very famous artists and he had also exhibited in some of the you know most beautiful galleries in in the south of france in avignon as well as grenoble and with cristo and picasso and he knew all of these people and he he was part of that top 10% so i i was realizing that this man had made an entire life, his whole entire career, flawlessly dedicated, you know, to art and the study of art. And that inspired me. So as we were leaving back to our, our car, he said, and he does not speak English, only French and Serbian. <clears throat> so thank goodness um, I had some high school French, but my husband speaks Serbian. So we were able to communicate quite easily. And he said, he said three things. He said, what does she want? Does she want fame? Does she want money or does she want the truth? And, you know, in that moment, the response, of course, was the truth. And he invited me to come back six months later for a week. And this is back in 1999. And he said, but you're going to have to learn to speak some better French so we can really communicate and talk about the art. So I spent 38 hours over the course of those few months with a tutor trying to (laughs) upgrade my, my French. And and then we arrived. And that was the beginning of a long 20 plus year relationship. I've been back and forth to France many, 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 many times each year, studying with him and just could not even begin to tell you how precious that decision was and how, you know, accepting he was of me.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing story. I love the way that that oh my goodness, all came together, but I just, kudos to you for being so bold and brave (laughs) (laughs) and really putting yourself out there. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. But I, you know, my goodness, just to see that painting and then go, I need to meet this person and, and be persistent about it. And then, wow, good for you. And then what an amazing opportunity to learn from somebody like that. I mean, my jaw just sort of dropped when (laughs) You were talking about, you know, all of the basically his circle of influence and friends. I mean, you're learning from masters. Like, how cool is that?
1: (laughs) Well, the, the shock for me was that he who he was, you know, at that time, you know, very revered. And I thought to myself, there's just no way that I even why should I fit in? And yet, you know, it's that very precise feeling that we just have that intuition and, and it sits in our gut that if I'm here, I'm meant to be here. And that's for me, that karmic piece. And I also realized after, you know, the first week I was with him, he had never actually taken anyone under his wing. Beaux-Arts had invited him in Paris and other uh, schools to teach and he had refused. And he's actually quite an eccentric person. Of course he would have to be. And uh, in that Uh, period of time I was so humbled but he really took me to a place of like tabula rasa where it was like the blank slate he's he basically said to me Patricia you know you might think you know what you know about art but he said in order for me to actually um, give you the truth he said and 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 share all of this with you you have to go to zero and if you can't do that, if you're going to fight me along the way, it's not going to work. So I, no matter what anyone can say, when you are in front of a master at this level, you close your eyes and you say, you've got it. And I did that. I, I really forgot everything I knew. And What he did was he started teaching me with the Matisse palette, which he had been taught himself, and this Matisse palette he had manipulated, so basically he had created his own um, version of it. But in order, <laughs> this is sort of interesting, it was always Rembrandt paint, oil is how we started, and we never spoke about the colors. Everything was done by the number. So for example, if he wanted me to combine you know, two particular colors, we would always say, just the name, the number, so it'd be two thirty one and one fifty six, or five sixty eight and two thirty one and one oh seven. So I act, I had to really memorize the palette by virtue of the numbers, and and then we were able to you know to work. So it was it was quite a challenge. I do recall going there one particular time, and he had an opening at one of the galleries, and we went to the opening, and then I spent a few days in the atelier with him, and he had given me pastels. And I had never used pastels before, and he gave me a book where it was one of his books that was filled with his own his own work. and he pointed to one of the paintings and he said, "Here are six crayons. I'm going to show you quickly how to use them with a razor blade and and whatnot." And he said, "And here's the paper, and t- tomorrow I want you to bring me your version of this particular piece." I thought I was gonna die. I mean, he gave me six crayons and I looked at all the colors and I thought there's no way under the sun. So we finished our our work with him that day and I started working and it was probably four or 4.30 in the morning when I finished the piece. I had pastels all over the table, the floor. It was a mess. And we rolled it up and that morning went back to the atelier around nine o'clock and he opened it and looked at it and he closed it and put it aside. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I've done a terrible job. And uh, I was really, really kind of upset because he didn't say anything. And at the end of the week, he actually gave it back to me and, and he handed it to me with basically saying he was so shocked that he couldn't tell the difference between his and mine. And, and that's Whoa. when he, that's when he made the decision that he wanted to continue teaching me. And um, then he asked me, and on, it was probably the next trip there, to write a, it was either, I can't remember how many thousand words or two thousand words, could have been more, in French. And he wanted me to write exactly what I felt art was about, to give my own dissertation, and, but I had to do it in French and again i stayed up the whole night and i wrote every conceivable thing i had dictionaries <laughs> i had whatever translation i couldn't think of in in french i was making up words <laughs> oh. and then i took it into him and of course he read it and but we we are the very very best of friends and i just you know i just feel this was beyond a, just beyond a blessing in life and I think about in 2012 or 13, he invited me to have an exhibition with him, the two of us. It was the only time I've exhibited with him in Seoul. And we had, yeah, it was just one of those, you know, perfect moments in your life when you have exhibited with the master.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Those are incredible <laughs> stories. Oh, I, I'm just enthralled. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm just really interested because you mentioned that, you know, he's never done this before and conceivably maybe not since either. So I'm wondering what about it, what about you was do you think was that he saw this spark that he was like, yes, she has what it takes or she has the dedication. I mean, obviously you had already gone out of your way to meet him, but mm-hmm. I'm just so curious because, you know, and obviously you have, you had talent, but I'm just wondering like, what spark was it that he saw? Do you think of like, <laughs> yeah, I need to teach her. <laughs> it's,
1: I, it, yeah. In fact, why, that's a really great question because about two years ago, of course, you know, I've, I, have, I have won many awards for my work, and I've been recognized by different um, organizations, and And one of them had asked me to provide, do I have anything like a, you know, a curation or anything from Monsieur Dragique and I said, no, I don't. So I called him, and I said, would you mind writing something about about me, about my work? And he said, of course. So he did. And it, it, it was quite long. And the translation was basically that he had never met anybody who was, as he said, first of all, humble, but that had such a desire and my passion exceeded everything around me. And he said, just the way I, my temperament was one thing. He said, you're, you're very wise and calm, but mostly he said, you were you were so in love with no, the knowledge, just wanting to know what all the, you know, the bits and pieces of, of life are actually about that he said it it was a trigger for him in his own life. He changed his style once or twice, well, over the past few years. And he said he was, he was actually influenced by my career. And he also said, because I was female, believe it or not, he did have a, a group of psychiatrists that were also painters from Germany. That used to come every year, every two years, that he would host a few days and give them, you know, some support and lessons. But he'd never taken on one individual at any point in time for the full length of his pretty much <laughs> half my life. So I think I, I was pretty humbled by by his words. But more than anything, it was this passion. He said he, he felt it. And he, as the first trip and the second trip and the third trip and the fourth trip went by, I didn't prov- provoke him. I I didn't push any buttons. I was a sponge. And that's what really, I think, fueled even more because then he started to introduce me. Oh, this is a good story. You'll like this, Lindsay. One one of the visits, he wanted me to meet Pierre Humbert. So in the south of France, of course, there's this clique of, you know, the, the older artists. Now, many of them were famous at that time, but as history has gone on, they lose the profound. They don't always stay in that highest rank because there's new artists, there's gallery changes, you know, the history in the South of France changed in the art world, but certain people make certain choices. And he invited me to meet Pierre Humbert. Pierre Humbert was actually one of the gentlemen who, who entertained some of the other artists, There, including Picasso. So when we went to his home, which was out in the, you know, in the beautiful Paysage, we had a lunch and he said, I want you to sit in this particular chair. And I did. And they were, he had another couple of artists with him that came to meet me as well. I was a bit of a novelty to everybody, (laughs) And I remember sitting in the chair and the first thing Pierre Humbert says to me, he goes, and they do not speak English. And he said, ah, Patricia, he said, you know, this is Picasso's chair. This is where his bum would sit and no one sits in this chair. And you can sit now and you can feel all of the energy from Monsieur Picasso, but also open your eyes and look at the land and it's, I mean, it is the Paysage, it's rolling hills. And he said, do you see this particular, you know, area? And I said, yes. And he goes, this is where Picasso saw the blue nude. It was the rolling hills of this, this land that was the impetus for him, the inspiration. And so they sat and shared many stories that, you know, I can't repeat them because I don't remember them. And I you know they were just of the moment. A lot of jokes and songs and things that they would do, and then I went into the atelier of um, Pierre Humbert, and again you're standing in the you're standing in the source of history, where a it's a privilege because I know there are probably if there's a handful of people on the planet who have ever been stepped into those rare iconic you know, caves where all the genius exists. It's like I was in the most perfect think tank. I, I couldn't, I had to pinch myself to even imagine I was the person standing here. And that, you know, sharing that story just kind of makes me again think about the influences. And I became really interested through Dragon's eyes with an artist by the name of Ki. And Zawuki passed away in 2013. He was born in Beijing and decided that he wanted to become an artist probably by the age of 10. But he went to Paris, and he studied in Paris, and he actually traveled with some of the, the more very, very, like Pierre Soulage. He was friends with Pierre Soulage, and he traveled to New York with him in the 50s or 60s. And that's when he changed from sort of a calligraphy to this abstract calligraphic work. And I, for the very first time that I ever saw his work, i was insanely smitten i mean i it's like you walked into i could walk into his his painting into the into the words so i've spent the last 20 years studying most of zawuki's work and trying myself to develop my style based on that influence and that's where i'm at right now
0: <laughs> yeah oh my goodness this is just the coolest thing <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, just so inspired and in love with these stories and just, wow, what amazing opportunities. I'm so intrigued and by sort of his methods and, and how he was teaching you and sort of, and, you know, even these sort of like 24-hour challenges or whatever you <laughs> want to call them, but... You know, like here's this this somewhat impossible task, go do it. And you figured out a way to do that. And it's interesting to me, you know, you were, you were talking about in his own words, he was talking about he appreciated your passion, your hum- humility and everything. And I'm sure so much of that is Sorry. so much of that is the willingness on your part to also be a blank slate, because I think on some level that could have been challenging you know you you've come in with a certain set of experience but you were so willing to you put that aside just to learn from a master and so you know also kudos to you because that I mean I guess that is humility but you know but that could be hard so I think that that's really commendable that you were just like
1: I, yeah you know Lindsay we, we all have ego. I mean that's that's who we are and unless, you know, you, you come to this world egoless, which I don't think that's the case for, for us as humans, but when you're dealing with somebody who has such a high IQ and his his ability, I mean he's a master chess player, that he's he's beyond well read, speaks many languages, has studied every single artist living dead and, you know, just as an example, one day we were in the atelier and and he said, let's just do something a little bit different. And he, he opened up a book and it, I don't remember whose painting it was. And he chose one portion of the painting that was sort of like a white area, like a white creamy area. And he said, you know, you know how simple things look to, when you, when you, examine them. I said, yes. And he goes, let's try and create that color. And I said, off the painting. And he goes, "Mm "Mm-hmm, yeah. He says, you have the palette. He said, go to it. (laughs) Lindsay, if you ever wanted to shoot yourself (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) I spent from nine o'clock until noon and I, he came in once or twice and it was zero, you know, and that's how he would speak to me. Zero, no Patrizia. I was like, are you kidding me? I've got titanium white. I've got zinc white. I'm adding 568. I've got this. And I'm I'm just going out of my mind. Could not. I could not figure out how to create that particular color in that painting. We went to lunch, came back after 2 o'clock because we always take two-hour lunches. <laughs> and he said, keep going. So I did. And it had to have been like from 2 to 5 o'clock. And I could not. I could not make that color and I was every combination a little bit more of this a little bit more of that a little less of this a drop of black it, it did not matter I was I was caught and then at the end of that he said to me he goes you know he said the greatest lesson that one has to learn is the true appreciation for the palette and the depth by which any any artist chooses to make it their life effort and we became, you know, the appreciation for every painting, for every aspect of every painting, for the colours, you know, when you look at some of the, the paintings, you know, again, I'm, and this is the simple part of this, like you look at Rothko, or you look at, you know, where there's only one or two, it appears that there is a very, you know, one colour painting. And yet, in order for them to have created that particular colour, the complexity, the combination or the recipe of of that is it's it is genius and knowing what belongs to what so i think you know the frustrations that i and i have had many frustrations of course you'd have to <laughs> over the course of all these years but the appreciation i have i think is what endured and the challenges that were, were put in front of me opened my eyes I think to to really appreciating every single person who makes the attempt or or decides that they want to examine study become historians of art it's just a passion beyond a passion for those that do it and you know I guess yes I I feel I have an extraordinary heritage you know, Lineage by being part of uh, dragons' world.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that's just so cool. And <laughs> goodness gracious, <laughs> yes, I can imagine wanting to rip your hair out in that moment <laughs> of trying to figure out. Oh my gosh, this magic combination! Oh, <laughs> yeah, but that's geez. The,
1: the craziness about it is that it's it's in every single painting that you look at. There's always going to be from from any it does not matter. There will always be a color that, you know, you think you can just repeat that. And he proved to me, you know, you're until you become a true master, your eyes will trick you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So your, your background is just amazingly rich and, and just fantastic. And I'm sure your future trajectory is going to be Exactly the same as far as the richness of it. So, I'm just curious, what are you up to now, and sort of where do you envision your art going next?
1: Well, we probably could have another hour conversation. <laughs> I have this very unique past. I became extremely interested over the course of, you know, the last 30 or 40 years with studying different things, and that includes oh everything from physics from different religions from buddhism just looking at the iconography of of different things and i studied at the university of toronto applied mindfulness and transformative mindfulness while i was still doing all of this with my art and and business and i felt that the mindfulness piece in the meditation was was really, really important and vital to the methodology of my work. And then I, I decided to create something that I could offer people, sort of like a program, and I'm, I'm only doing sort of beta testing right now. I, I've done a few, and they've turned out quite lovely. It's not really art as healing, but there is a, a refined inspiration So I basically take people through a two to three hour session where we do a bit of meditation. And at the same time, then depending upon the group that I have, I will then tailor it to that. So, for example, I did the um, CAN 150, which is mostly the female Canadian Olympians and sports, sports women. And I did the finding your inner hero, basically. And I took them through a two to three hour session where they all had paint. And, you know, we put the layers on the paint, and then I, I walk them through questions to inspire them to to dig deep inside as to how they feel. There are no mistakes, but I like to think that people don't give themselves permission to experience their own wisdom. And that when they do, the results are life-changing. So. Everyone so far who I've done this with has, has really pushed me and encouraged me to, to offer it. So it's the karmic art experience is what I'm calling it. And I was, I've been very fortunate also in my life having an opportunity to help people and serve people. And I was recognized by the, it's the WXN, the Women's Executive Network in Canada, the Top 100 Most Powerful Women in Canada. It's the organization that I have actually been nominated to and I've won four times. So I've been a three-time, four-time nominated and winner, winner of the Top 100 Most Powerful Women in Canada. And then in 2018, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And when I when wow. that happened thank you when that happened, Sherry Stevens who is the owner of of WXn, she said to me, Patricia, do you think you would do a WXn art experience for us so I did so I had you know quite a few of the top 100 women in Canada on the on the zoom call and I took them through the karmic art experience and I cannot even explain how how deeply profound I recognize that self-care is really needed, especially with women who are in high-profile positions. You yourself would know this, and that you sometimes work yourself really hard and you don't, you don't stop long enough to actually give yourself permission to have a play date with yourself. So by doing the karmic art experience, I'm encouraging people that once they've done it, they if they wanted to c- to continue with the, my program which I'll probably create maybe a 6 week program but if not that they should still endeavor and push and give themselves that time to find what makes them happy how they can be happier and it is as as complicated as you know our minds and our lives can be it's that complex simplicity that is really needed <laughs> yeah
0: Yes, absolutely. That's, that's so cool. Well, and congratulations on that. That is a huge accomplishment and obviously you super deserve it, but just congratulations on that. That's awesome. Yeah. And what a cool experience. I love, I love what you're doing. I love that you're helping women especially, but I'm sure people in general just, yeah, like you said, have that play date, have that self care. It's like you said, it's, it's vital. And so... Thank you for, for doing that. And I'm excited to see you know, if that does end up becoming a course or how that sort of plays out in the future. But mm-hmm. speaking of that, well, I'm sure that there are listeners who would love to see some of your artwork, maybe hear more about this new experience. Is there a way for them to connect with you or to see some of your work?
1: Yes, I, I'm very approachable. And I always like to give my email out to people because I I feel that's a communication tool that, you know, sometimes you have, you do have more control over. So it's patgigich at gmail.com. So P-A-T-G-A-G-I-C at gmail.com. And then my work is, I'm represented by a couple of galleries. 13th Street Gallery is in St. Catharines. And there's also my website, which is Patricia Karen Gajic.com. and I also have inspired to be rewired.com and that talks a little bit. I have a project in Cambodia that I started in 2006 and there's some information on that as well.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. I, yeah, well, I'm just incredibly inspired by your stories and I just think what an amazing oh my goodness what an amazing life that you've had so far and it's just only going to continue to be i'm sure wonderful and i appreciate how much you are are open and you know willing to share with everyone and thank you for that and thank you also for what you're doing now because i know that's making a difference in people's lives and so i think it's really special that you're using a passion and a skill that you have to to help others. So thank you for that. I commend you for that.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Well, and I do have three questions that I always like to ask my guests if you're okay with that.
1: Okay, sure.
0: I'll try. Okay, you'll be great. First of all, how do you personally define art or what is art to you?
1: Oh, okay. I think art is liberating and it is the probably the most relevant document of history that exists.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love it. And then what do you think is the most important role of an artist?
1: I think it's liberation, freedom, total expression, and to help shift the misconceptions of, of reality And it's an opportunity to interpret whatever it is that you as a human being are here, are here in your own path to experience. And yeah, it's it's the artist's journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And my final question, and I'll define my terms a little bit, but do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And what I mean by that is... Inclusive referring to an artist who puts their work out into the world and provides some context behind that, whether it's a title or show notes or just context somehow of the inspiration versus exclusive referring to an artist who puts their work out there but doesn't provide context behind it and basically leaves it solely up to the viewer to determine what they will. Wow, that's a powerful
1: question because that's like – Chicken and the egg.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah,
1: I, I'm in I'm in both of those mindsets. So first of all, I I oftentimes think that a piece of work that I've completed deserves a title because I want to express and acknowledge the that moment. So I will do it, but I'm also in the in the family of it's my expression. If I wanted to write a book about something, I should write the book. The art should stand alone. It is its own word document, and it's for the person to to see with their eyes and interpret. So again, that's yeah. I said I'm sorry. I can't give you one or the other. It's both.
0: Yeah, no, that's completely fair. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much again, Patricia, for being here today and just for sharing all of your stories and I I'm just really blown away. I I loved listening to everything that you've done and I'm just so excited for, for this new venture that you're, you know, really embarking on now. And I, I just think that, you know, you bring so much beauty to the world and I just appreciate it. And I really appreciate you being here today. So thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lindsay. No, I've, I've loved our, I've loved this so much. It's nice to be able to share, you know, my past, some of that. So thank you for this opportunity. You're just, you're great. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes. And thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this episode. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am right now, I would love if you would share this with a friend or two. And definitely check out Patricia's work, and we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much, and I hope your day has been artfully told. Hi, friends. I wanted to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to fall in love with just as I have. It's called Harlem with a View, and it is hosted by Harlem Lennox, who was a previous guest of mine on Artfully Told and a dear friend. Just because it looks easy doesn't mean it is. There is so much that goes into the work of a creative. She wants to know how the artists got into their line of work, what inspires them, but most importantly, what keeps them going. She asks them about how they make it through the blood, sweat, and tears. She wants to know what it's like to live this creative life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and even the magical. So she goes behind the scenes with creatives from different genres, and she explores their history, their take on life, and talks about the business of art and the dedication of making art. She has a brilliant, brilliant platform. I think you will fall in love. I highly recommend that you search for Harlem with a view. Thanks!